Good morning, Anthem family. So happy for you guys to be joining us today. We got a couple announcements. So we got season three launching on October 2nd. How exciting. We also have two services launching on October 2nd, and it's gonna be at 10.30 and 12 o'clock. We're so excited for you guys to join us and that our community is growing. Um, we'd love to see you guys, you know, continue being a part of it. And I think um, we're about ready to go inside, so. Let's go worship. I'm reading the news, just seeing what's going on in the world. Hmm. More chaos, more war, more famine, more of the worst, more of the worst. Does it ever stop? Does it ever end? Is there another newspaper I can read that gives me something good? How about when we read our own lives? Do they tell a better story? Mm. If you're like me, struggle, crisis, hardship is part of the everyday journey. And so the question then is how do we get beyond the worst? How do we live through it? How do we survive it? How do we live yet still our best life? Huh? That's the thing we got to ponder and question and ask. Because two things are evident to me personally. God's people have gone through crisis in the past. And second, God's people will continue to go through crises now. How did they do it is what I want to know. How did they do it? This morning, I want to acknowledge exactly what Pastor Casey just said. Today marks the 20th anniversary of a war we never anticipated we would have to get into. But it was also marked one of the most catastrophic days in our history. I was in freshman year of high school, sitting there in English class, and I saw the second trade center go down. And this week, I read about the statistics. 20 years, $2.2 trillion a quarter of a million people dead later. And finally, we ended the longest war in American history. But there was also something else that I saw that caused water to well up in my eyes. As I saw the amputated legs and arms of little children from the various drone strikes that had been taken Innocent kids who didn't ask for this. Saw the veterans who had legs that were severed and arms off. I just pondered and asked, God, when are you coming, Lord Jesus? And so this morning, in this moment, I want you to do something with me. Once you take a silent moment of reflection as some pictures are cast up on the screen and I want you to ponder with me just for a moment that you might be able to pray for both those who had brown skin and spoke a foreign language and those who were American citizens because there is still chaos in the Middle East and there's still chaos in this United States of America and we need 
God so deeply. And so let's take a moment of silent meditation and prayer as some of the scenes from 9-11 are cast up on the screen right now. A crisis is called a crisis because it's exactly that. It's absolutely unknown, it's sudden, and it doesn't get out of itself without any form of ease, unfortunately. But I want to acknowledge three things before we go any further, though, about crises, evil, and hardship, and terrible things. The first is, let me just be honest with you, sometimes we go through crises because of our own foolishness. You maybe have gone through one of these circumstances in your own life where you made just a terrible decision and you find yourself in an awful crisis. I remember my wife and I filled out, well, I should say I filled out uh, the forms wrong for our financial aid and ended up paying thousands upon thousands of dollars more. Did you see how I wanted to blame her a little bit, include her in that? That's called the Adam Complex. Lord, the woman you gave me, God, it was her, it's her fault. Or it's the teenager who gets in the car accident and looks at the officer and says, officer, there was sun in my eyes. I have no idea how that happened. And he looks at him and he says, young man, is that happened to be your cell phone right next to you in the driver's seat? Uh, yes, officer. Were you using it while you were driving? I'm very good at multitasking, officer. It was for sure the sun in my eyes. I bet it was. Here's a ticket. Sometimes when it comes to evil, tragedy, hardship, we bring it on ourselves. But I want to make something also very clear, the second acknowledgement, and that is that there is a person, an entity, a force, however you want to think of it, an angel that fell, his name is Satan, and he has every desire to destroy, take out, kill, ruin your marriages, your relationships, your grades, everything about you. 1 Peter 5, 8, be vigilant therefore and sober-minded for the devil is a roaring lion looking to whom he may devour. You gotta know that Satan absolutely exists and he has every intent to cause crisis in the world and in your life personally. But I also need to make a third acknowledgement. It's kind of in between two and three. And that is that God uses sometimes the worst of things to bring about his glory. 
Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, there Joseph looking at his brothers who were awful to him. And he looked at them and he said, what you intended for evil, God has now intended for good. When God brings glory out of terrible circumstances, that's the only time I have to say, Jesus, I don't know how you did it, but you did it. And to you be the praise and glory. That terrible circumstance that you went through, but then you hear about someone else going through something and you're able to share your story and you see the tears going through their eyes and they say, I can't believe you made it through that. And you tell them, I can't believe I did either, but I know you will as well. And God uses horrible things. But the third acknowledgement is that I don't always understand the permissive will of God in the face of evil things happening. Because we do serve an almighty God who can absolutely step in and intervene at any moment he chooses. And why is it sometimes that instead of like the children of Egypt, when they started complaining, God, we wish we were back in Egypt. Oh, do you? We wish we had this and this. Oh, do you? Well, God, if you would have been, oh, do you? Okay, sure, go ahead. Experience everything you want without me. And the snakes that were always in the desert that he was holding back, he lets go. And the snakes that you and I experience, the trials and the tribulations, the hardships. You see, David's very clear. He says repeatedly, search me or try me. Know every anxious thought within me. God tests his people too. Why sometimes? I do not understand. But hardship, trial, and tragedy is absolutely part of the journey. And this series is all about the fires of life, the crises we find ourselves in. Whether or not now, it will come. It w- it's, friend, there is no way you are going to go through this life without getting bruised, a broken arm, potentially sometimes an amputation of your soul. That is the journey of faith. But the question is, how did they, the believers of the past, walk through those things and end up still living their best life? Some of them did it with one leg. Some of them did it without an arm. Some of them did it with both eyes poked out. You read the stories of the reformers in the Middle Ages? Have you read what they had to go through, the persecutions that people went through in the first, second, and third century, or I should say the second and third and fourth centuries? It was awful. But the thing is, God's people will always survive if, if, and I want you to pay attention to the if. I want you to listen now to my Big kind of idea here for a moment, okay? Crises are the great revealers of our true character, revealing who we have been preparing to become. Crises are the great revealers of our true character, revealing who we have been preparing to become. 
When you go through a crisis, it simply reveals who you were at the core before that crisis ever happened. When people talk about the end times and they're like, man, it's going to be terrible, it's going to be hard, and man, there's going to be a lot of bad stuff going on. Guess what? When you're in the midst of your own crisis right now, you don't have to think about the end times. How do you act right now? When bad things happen, do you lose your marbles? You yell at everyone around you? You get angry and defensive at people? Do you start blaming and pointing fingers left and right? You did it. You did it. No, I'm going to... Or are you one of those people that walks through it with patience and takes extreme ownership for faults and mistakes? And Crises are the greatest revealers of true character. Revealing who we have been preparing to become. You know, there's two roots that exist in the world. Two types of roots. Two types of trees. I've been reading this book, Nothing to Fear, Devotions for the End Time by Morris Venden. I'm a, I'm a true Adventist talking about that, you know, the end times. I'm reading it. I'm reading it. You should read it too. Anyways, he gives this illustration of a great storm that came and two trees were in a city and there it was revealed one of the trees unfortunately fell over. And when it was looked at the tree, people looked inside of it and it was hollow, rotted out. The roots were decomposing already. This was a tree that on the outside looked nice, but deep on the core, it was dead. When you go through a crisis, you need to analyze deeply who you are. Ladies out there, I want you to go through hardship with a guy you think you like. Men, Go through challenges with the ladies in your life that you think are fine and might be a great wife and see what happens in her life, what happens in his life, what spews out of his mouth, how she acts, who she puts down, how he yells at him, who he doesn't want to talk to anymore, how she ends up holding bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and keeps stepping back and doesn't want to take any ownership. Watch how people go through crisis. And you will see who they really are. So the two trees. The two trees, unfortunately, have one tree that has fallen down. But I want you to know, if you serve Jesus Christ as your Savior, even if you happen to have been through a crisis and you might have been that fallen tree with rottenness in the middle, there is grace for us. Because even when you do the wrong thing in the midst of a crisis, that's the blessing, hope of Jesus. That's the blessing of being a believer because we can fall upon his grace in those seasons. God, I did this wrong. So how can we prepare for the crisis to come? Well, let's take a look at 2,000 years of history. Now, let me stop there. Let's just take a look at what happened 2,000 years ago. You can analyze history and see what happened when people didn't rely on Jesus. But let's look at Jesus just for one moment. 2,000 years ago, there in the first century, he was about to be crucified. And there in the moments right before that, chapter 15 and 16 of John, Jesus tells his disciples exactly what was going to happen to him. And he looks at them and he starts recounting exactly what they're going to do too. What 
were they going to do, they wondered. And he starts telling them, you will abandon me. You will leave me. You will let me die alone. They couldn't believe the words coming out of his mouth because everything that they had prepared for with him was to take ownership of the kingdom of this world. They had plans and desires to take ownership of, of modern-day Israel. Their kingdom was going to be that place. That Jesus had a terrorist on his team, literally. He was uh, known as Judas the zealot, the, the sick car, they were ones who carried the long knives. These were the kind of first century terrorists. And he was ready to kill and fight. Peter pulled out his sword and chopped off the guard's ear before they were trying to take him. They were absolutely ready to fight for their kingdom. But God said, I've got a different way I'm going to do this. I'm going to go about this. And so we jump into the story that we're looking at this morning. John chapter 16 and verse 31. And here the words of the text come out. I have told you, and now you believe me, Jesus replied. Now you trust what I'm telling you? You're finally starting to get it that a crisis is coming? A time is coming and in fact now has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me and I'll be alone. Yet I'm not alone. The Father's with me. And I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. Wait a second. Wait a second. Are you telling me that I can have peace in the midst of my storms and chaos and troubles, hardships, the fact that I don't have everything that I've been yearning for and I'm already in my mid-30s, I don't have the house, the car, the, the marriage. Wait, you're telling me that this relationship issue that I'm going through with my wife right now, I'm holding the ring, God, there's peace I can have in the midst of it? Wait a second, Lord, the bank account doesn't seem very full and I need to pay my bills, the rent's due. God, you're telling me I need to have, I can have peace about this? Wait, Lord, you're telling me that this, this, final exam that I'm about to be taking that I haven't studied for, that I've got things going on in my family. I can have peace in these storms? Look at the text again. The text says you might have peace. How? Because that is the determining factor of how you and I are going to find our peace in life. The text brings out the reality that you will have peace in me. Because when you're looking at your circumstances, there's no peace you can have. It's impossible. Jesus and his disciples in the storm on the Sea of Galilee, they had the opportunity for peace. Oh, they, they absolutely did. They had opportunities for peace. But they were looking at the waves the text says. They were looking at the, the wind and how it was howling. They were looking at how they're going under. They looked at the water rushing in. They looked at the boat going up and down and they forgot to look at... It's not a rhetorical question. They forgot to look at Jesus. You and I say that in the midst of a moment when something happens, you stub your toe, Jesus. But you can't say it right now. 
Jesus is the one who truly, when we fix our eyes on him, that is the way we have peace in the storm. How's that possible though? How is that possible to have peace by staring at a human? Well, it depends which human. If you're about to be robbed by several burglars and you're looking at your you know, wrestler friend, that's a good person to be staring at. <laughs> Bro, it's your turn. All right. But when you're staring at a trouble that you realize no human being can solve, a trouble that is so deeply disturbing at your soul core level, the only way you can traverse through it is truly by looking to Jesus, looking to him in his word, looking to him in prayer, looking to him in good music, looking to him in godly people, godly content, godly things that will spurn your heart to look upward to the kingdom, to the inevitable eternal space you and I will rest in and not into the present reality. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to remember, right now from the outset, as Jesus speaks, you may have peace in the storm. If you trust in him. The story is told, fabled, or maybe real, I don't know exactly, of a climber who had found himself in a very bad space. Nightfall was coming, the storm was hitting, it was getting bad, I mean bad, and he did an oops. He left literally half of his rope up on the mountain, found himself dangling there at the end of his rope, not knowing what to do, not trusting and believing this strange voice that had come over him, let go of the rope. Let go. Let go of the rope. Let go. Night all around him, nothing to see, nowhere to look. It was completely blinding of a storm. Next morning, rescuers found him dangling 10 feet from the ground. Sometimes when we think about this idea of having peace in a storm, we forget, we forget that this idea of trusting in Jesus doesn't always mean just simply stepping into the blindness of not seeing. Because there's one thing as believers that we know, unlike those who unfortunately choose to reject Jesus, choose to reject believing in him, it is that when we step into the blindness we know by faith there's someone underneath who is ready to catch. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to experience a hardship. It doesn't mean that you won't experience a bruising, a scarring, a, a hurt. But it absolutely means when you and I step into the blindness of dark night, we know that we're there with him, in him. I love the poem, Footsteps in the Sand. You probably know it too. It's the poem that says, we were walking through the journey of life together, just you and me. But then there came a moment I sensed that you were not there. The trouble I was in, I wondered why had you abandoned me? And the voice spoke loudly and said, no, my child. It was just in that moment when you thought I was gone, that it was I who picked you up. And it was my footprints in the sand that you only saw. Friends, it is Jesus who steps in in our crisis if we but allow him. 
And so we continue going on with the text and Jesus does declare here, so in me you may have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. It's so funny how we have this strange amnesia when troubles happen. Why is this bad thing happening to me? I have said that so many times with tears in my eyes. Why is this happening? Why again? I believe in you, God. And some of us are pathetic. I mean, it's like drools, amnesia, and we forget. But the reality is this. Jesus promised and told us with a promise that bad stuff is going to happen. Now, people always say, hey, trust in the promises of the Lord. And you'd never think you trust in the promises that he said hardship was going to happen. Well, trust it. Bank on it. Like a bank shot in basketball. Believe it's going to go in and trouble will occur. That's the space you and I have to put ourselves in. You know, sometimes you're going through a season of just great stuff going on. Camping, hanging out with friends, life's going well, kids are doing good, money in the account, it's padded, job secure, and then all of a sudden that terrible thought emerges, man, something bad's gonna happen. Shoot, I know it's coming. It will. It absolutely will, but let it not rob your peace. Let it not rob your peace. Jesus said, in me, you will have peace. And then he goes on. But catch this. In other translations, it says the word trouble is the notion of tribulation, affliction, burdens, troubles, pressure. How many of you feel pressure? I don't know if it was moving to California that gave me more pressure. I don't have high blood pressure, at least right now. I'm going to go see the doctor soon, get on my physical. But I hope not. But moving to this place, getting on the highway in California, I mean, I felt pressure. I moved from Podunk, Michigan, Berrien Springs, one-lane roads. Then you get to California, they're 16. I was stressed for months, pressure. And in this fast-paced world, we feel so much pressure. Jordan, I know you're driving the highway all the time, bro. You know the 16-lane roads. Sorry, I just it hit me. You understand my burden. I used to work in Laguna and I'd drive 70 miles into Orange County for three and a half years, pastoring a great church with my brother Felipe over there. And it was awesome. But man, my back started hurt just feeling the pressure of being on the highway. And see, that's the thing. We're on this journey in life and we sense the pressure the pressure of inability, missed out expectations the consequences of our decisions. And we're left in this limbo space of God. Is there anything more though than this? Hold on, listen to this. He says, take heart. Other translations, be of good courage, be of good cheer. Literally in the Greek, this, this right here, take heart, be of good courage. It's written in this imperative case. It's, it's this case known as the command. This means when Jesus spoke this, he was commanding his people, take heart, be of courage. This was a moment when he was demanding, this is your calling and duty as a believer. Don't fail in anxiety and let your heart break. No, take heart. 
take courage. Let it be upon you with strength that I am with you. We're going to get through this. This is not your end. Every time that this word was used in the Greek, it was also attached to another word, faith. Be of courage and see God's mercies reveal themselves as you pull out faith. The blind man who called out to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the disciples ran over to them, shh, be quiet, sit down, old man. What do you want? Jesus. And there he finds Jesus finally, and Jesus looks at him and he says, what is it that you want? I want to be healed. Your faith has made you well. The woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, if I would but just touch his garment, and she does. And he looks at her and he says, woman, your faith has made you well. Every time it was included with this word of courage, take heart. Why? Because it is when you believe in that kind of faith, stepping out into the blindness, that if we would but just touch him, it would make things well. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's well in the way I want it, though. I expected it would feel well this way, though, God. I was a chaplain for a few years, and as I was doing that work, I prayed with countless people who wanted to deeply feel well in the way they were anticipating and counting on. God, it's going to feel well like this when my father is healed. When my mother gets out of here walking, when my son can breathe again. And you know what? There were times there I was in the ICU praying with someone who was intubated. And the, I remember one girlfriend, she was crying her eyes out. Beautiful situation of just seeing tears of joy as he started to breathe again after he was taken out. Of, of the intubation tube was taken out. And, and he could see his eyes open again. And there she was just God, God, no, why? I can't believe it. I... But I spent countless times with people who we had to pull out the tube as well because they were, they were gone. It's their last moment. But we had prayed together. We had sought it to go the way we had thought things would go well. And that's where I have to go back to the acknowledgments. The permissive will of God sometimes does not make sense in our eyes. It does not. And yet these are the moments that Jesus promised to his disciples. Trouble will happen. Trouble will occur. Death will occur even. 9-11? The war in Iraq? Afghanistan? The countless children? But then he says these final words. I have overcome. Other translations use the word conquer, prevailed. I've gotten the victory over the world. The world and its 9-11s, its wars, its chaos, its tragic car accidents, its malignant cancer, its dementia, its divorces, its broken relationship, it's financial ruins, it's you and me. 
you're anything like me, sometimes I cause the chaos. And I'm part of the world. One author, he writes, don't let the crisis become you because you've lost your marbles. Jesus here claims that he's overcome the world and everything in it. Every trouble, every chaos, every moment, every you and me. And it's in these spaces, friends, that I want you to take heart, courage, and trust in the darkness, rather what's beyond the darkness. A Savior whose hands are open like this. Come, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm in this. This is not your end. This is not the final straw. This isn't the final moment. I want you to listen to this quote, would you? It comes from the pen of a fine lady that I know, named Ellen White. A book called Ministry of Healing. In the darkest days when appearances seem most forbidding, chaotic, have faith in God. He is working out His will, doing all things well on behalf of His people. The strength of those who love and serve Him will be renewed day by day. And never forget, our Heavenly Father has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we know nothing. When you're in the midst of your chaos, friend, you don't need to have faith in you. You don't need to have faith in your friends, your family, extra money in the bank account, a nice car, a prestigious degree. You have faith in Jesus Christ who calls himself the victor over it all. How do we get through the worst and get past the worst? Faith in him. What an incredible word that we just heard. I was definitely blessed, and I hope that you guys could take that word on with your week. Something that we can do all together is uh, giving. We can't do this without your guys' help. So if you guys have it in your hearts to be able to give, you are able to text LUC at 77977. And you're also able to give online at LUC slash give. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook just to stay connected what things, amazing things we have going on these next couple of weeks and for students to also be involved. Do your best and God will do the rest. See you guys next week.